like John, man, even without the power, y'all got power in this place. Praise God for his, his power flowing through you this morning. I'm going to take a few minutes here and just pray, and then, and then you'll, I'll have you in your seats in just a moment. Father God, uh, we are grateful to be in the house of the Lord, to be able to worship the one true God, the God who has saved us and called us by his grace, Father God. We're grateful to you, Lord, for what you've given us in your son, what you've given us in one another, what you've given us by way of blessing. Oh, God, you are worthy of praise. And Father, we know that when we are in need, when we don't have the strength, the limitations that we have are all over us, Father, and we can't do what it is that we need to do, we know that you're able. God, you're able this morning. We're grateful to you. We're thankful that we get to be in this place. Now, Father, as the word goes forward and we continue in worship and through prayer and the word, uh, we, we are so grateful for you giving us and leaving us your word here. I pray that you would speak with my mouth, think with my mind, use my tongue, oh, Father God. Uh, use whatever means you will to transform us in this place today, Father God. I'm so grateful for your, your space this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 64, Psalm chapter 64. And while you're turning there, I want to take the opportunity to thank you um, for, of course, being here. I know you could have been a million places this morning, but you're here at Strong Tower Church. And we want to say just thank God for the privilege of being able to be in the house of God. Um, I want to thank God for Pastor, Pastor Ben this morning inviting me to be here, and we know that uh, as you, if you're looking online or if you're new to this place, I am not Pastor Ben. Uh, I look a little bit different from him, you know, and uh, and 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 he is a wonderful person. We, are, I can't wait to, for you to meet him. For those of you who are online, uh, we, but he is on sabbatical for these next several weeks, and uh, we're grateful that God is giving him the much-needed readiness to continue shepherding this assembly. But likewise, I want to give honor to the uh, the elders and the pastoral servant of this congregation. Um, and of course, it is a good place to be right now in front of you as one of your lay members as well. I'm grateful to be with you. Um, as you know, we've been in the Psalms for the last few weeks, and today we are looking at Psalm 64, the 64th Psalm. And by the time that we are seated today, I hope that you're more able to recognize that Psalm 64 is a resource that God has provided for us to deal with the enemies who speak out against us, and to answer the question, how we praise God despite having the problems of our enemies. So, for just a few minutes, I want to talk to you from the thought, praise over the problem of my enemies. Please be seated. Praise over the problems of my enemies. It, it is amazing to me friends, how a song changes everything. We just saw it. We just saw it. Uh, we kept going with a song. It didn't matter what was going on around us. The song kept us going. It's amazing how a song changes everything. And sometimes, friends, I think we forget that the book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, is actually really broken down into five smaller books all of those books making up 150 chapters, poetic chapters, that are actually songs. These are songs, not simply 
poems. And what we recognize about songs is that a song makes everything a little bit more easy to hear, doesn't it? Am I right about it? A, a song makes things easier to hear. A song, uh, when, when you hear a song, a song or a poem even, can make things that aren't good sound good. Am I right about it? If I'm right about it, just say amen. amen. Y'all can talk back to me. It's all right. It's all right. I won't get mad at you. I appreciate it. I'm just telling you, songs do that. I think we know you know what I'm talking about. Songs have a way of making things a bit easier. A, 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 a harmony and a melody of a song and the rhythmic movement of some words can get things through to you normally that would not be palatable if you simply heard the words on their own. In fact, a song or a poem can, can almost make you forget the terrible nature of what's really being heard sometimes. Think about some of the songs that you have heard, or just, just think about some of the songs that we, and poems that we start our children off with in life. I mean, like, there was an old woman who lived in a shoe who had so many children, she didn't know what to do. Now, she gave them some broth without any bread and whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. Uh, why are we talking about this old lady beating her kids? Uh, but, but, it's, but because it's in a song, uh, we, we forget that, that this lady just gave people a whooping for nothing. They were just hungry, right? A song can do that. Uh, and who can forget our favorite nursery rhyme, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Rockabye baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come baby, cradle and all. And man, I'm, I'm just convinced that if our kids could talk, and I'm surprised that these horrific words don't make them talk, that they would speak up and say, hey, hold up, could you give me something a little bit more positive? As you're singing this, nur this nursery rhyme to me, uh, I just got here and now you dropping me from trees? Um, why am I in the tree in the first place? Uh, don't you have a room? Didn't you work on a room for me while I was coming? Can I get a place next to your bed? Maybe. Uh, songs, though, because it's in a song, it kind of makes that easier. And we sing that and you know what? It puts our, it puts our children to sleep, doesn't it? Therefore, when we look at psalms, we should see it as a poetic gift from God that he gave to us, the whole book, 150 of them, that he gave to us as a tool that authentically helps us to authentically express our deepest feelings and emotions, both to him and to each other. God left us a gift in the book of Psalms, and we, we're grateful to God for that. Are you grateful for that? Say amen if you're grateful. Because you see the many different kinds of psalms that there are. Uh, the, the song, and we're not going to touch on any of those today, but there are many different kinds of psalms. Uh, there's wisdom psalms, there's psalms of praise, there's, you know, psalms of, of, uh, of, 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 of what they call imprecatory psalms, that is, songs of cursing. And today we're dealing with what some would call a psalm of lament. This particular psalm today is here to help us overcome the, the specific, this is a very specific psalm, emotion of fear that comes from our enemies. 
Anybody got any enemies? If you're bold enough, if you're bold enough. Anybody got any enemies? Every, I mean, you, and, and if you don't want to raise your hand, that's fine. Because, you know, because a psalm like this, to be honest, for, for, the, for the great most of my life, I wouldn't be able to even grasp a psalm like this because, to, to be honest, I, I, I wouldn't be able to sing something like this or, or think about this because I didn't feel like I had any enemies. Uh, but what I did learn is even if you don't have any enemies as you're young, just keep living. And from time to time, you'll find that there are people who pop up in your life and they serve as your enemies. They serve as people who oppose you. I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to put you in the mind of an, or an attitude of anger toward anybody. I'm just telling you that the Psalms, the songs that God has left us, have given us opportunity to learn how to authentically express ourselves and emotions when we have enemies, when we have enemies. By the way, I just want to make it clear, just in case you're not sure, uh, maybe you don't have any enemies that you can see, but if you would, help each other out, and somebody should turn to somebody else and just look at them and say, you at least have one enemy. Go ahead, go ahead, just tell somebody, just say you at least have one enemy. Everybody's got at least one enemy. As near as I know, I heard, it, I heard that, he, that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, and we have an enemy called the devil. Everybody's got an enemy. And, and, and David here, as he gives us this psalm, he wants us to understand how we engage our enemies. I have to be honest with you, uh, as of late in my life, these things feel a bit more real to me. I can, I can actually preach this psalm with the reality that, you know what, there are some people who aren't necessarily looking out for my good. There are some people who aren't necessarily looking out for my best interest, and they're looking maybe even to bring me down. I'm sorry. I wish I, wish, I, wish I had a more encouraging message for you. Uh, but I'm telling you that every now and then in life, you have enemies. And, and the Psalms give you an opportunity to learn how to authentically express oneself and in praise even while you have enemies. This psalm is what some scholars would call, they, they would call a, a lament psalm. They would call it a lament psalm. However, I, I, I think that it is only a lament psalm if you don't get through the whole thing. When you go through it and come out in the end, you realize it is a song which teaches you how you can have hope over your haters. That, that's, what, that's what Psalm 64 is, how you can have hope over your haters. It, it's a psalm which teaches you how you can have opulent faith over oppressive foes. It, it's a psalm which teaches you that, that we can learn that God will make you the victor and your enemies vanquished, and that God will cause you to rejoice and your enemies ruined. I'm just telling you what the psalm says. That's what David's talking about here. So let's see how this particular song that David gave to the choir master helps us to praise over the problem, the present problem of our enemies. I'm sorry they all begin with a P. I wasn't trying to do that. This is real, right? We are learning to praise over the problem of our enemies. 
First of all, if we're going to be able to do that, praise God in the midst of and over our enemies, we would do well to go to God and, and genuinely acknowledge the problem of the enemies with which we have. Verses 1 through 6 say it this way. Um, David said, hear my voice, O my God, O, o God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers who wet their swords, their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking who can see them. They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search because the inward mind and the heart of a man are deep. If we are going to overcome, if we're going to praise while we have enemies, uh, we need to first make God our first stop in talking about people who oppose you. Make God your first stop in talking about people who oppose you. Uh, I know you want to make your wife the first stop or your husband the first stop. I know you want to make the coworker the first stop or sometimes your children the first stop or you want to make your best friend the first stop. But I want to say as people of God, if we're going to address our enemies well, yeah. we need to make God the first stop yeah, as we talk about opposing people in our lives. We make God the first stop. I want to say something that's not in my notes because uh, I'm trying to stay in my 35 minutes here. That's why it's not, but I feel like I got to say it. I want to make sure that, that, that you, you make God the first stop because, because what's true is sometimes when you go to God about your enemy, if you make God the first stop, he can tell you where you're missing it, yes. right? From time to time, we think it's all about our enemies and all the stuff that they've messed up on and how terrible they are. But sometimes it's you needing to hear from God about the stuff you need to fix. And maybe God can help you. Maybe God can guide you. Maybe God can let you know. Maybe they're not the issue. Maybe you are, or at least before you address them, Jesus made this statement. I'm not making it up. Jesus said, before you try and take the log out of someone else's eye... We got to take the log out of our own eye. And you know what I've found about taking the log out of my own eye is I'm probably not that good at that. So I need to make God my first stop and let him examine my heart. It's not in my nose, but I thought that's just fries at the bottom of the bag, right? You, you, can, you can take that with you. And, and I hope that's enjoyable to you because, because if you do that, then when you do, if, especially if you have to approach an enemy, uh, you do that with a clear heart, a pure heart, because as Christians, we don't even treat enemies the way other people treat them. Is that right? We don't even treat enemies the way other people treat them. Is that right? I heard, I heard Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 say, bless your enemies. We don't even treat enemies the, other, the way other people treat them. Can I get an amen? amen? So it's good to make God your first stop. First to check your own heart out, but make God your first stop. David went to God, and we need to ask ourselves, is our first stop when we feel that people are opposing us? Our enemies, if our, is our first stop our spouse, our friends, our support group, even our connect group, or is it God? All of those are appropriate at times, but by God's grace, we will build a habit of talking with God about our enemies early and as often as we have them. 
Who knows, by you getting your heart right, you might be able to bring an enemy to become a friend. Not just a friend of you, but a friend of God. Make God your first stop. But also David started by authentically acknowledging, and here's what we must do if we're going to have praise in the midst of our enemies, praise over our enemies, we need to authentically acknowledge, not by over-spiritualizing, but authentically acknowledge not just the problems of our enemies to God, but the effects that our enemies are having on us. That's what David did. He went, and in verses 1 and 2, his enemies, we can see clearly, had three different effects on him. First, he says, hear my voice and my complaint, O God. Now, the word complaint in some of your Bibles is the word meditation. Uh, but however, it seems to be, though, that these enemies were such in, God's, in David's mind that when he went to meditate, he found himself talking in his, out loud about his enemies. Meditation, we assume, is usually quiet, but this particular word seems to indicate that David was speaking out loud about his enemies, that they had so vexed him that now when he's meditating, he's talking about his enemies. He's, he's a, a word, we might use the word ruminating. He was just going on and on babbling about his enemies. And I've been there every now and then when someone has so vexed me that I'm talking about them while they ain't even there and nobody's there. I'm just talking to myself sometimes. Uh, sometimes I do answer myself back. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. But we, we ruminate on the, on, the, on the harshness, on the very difficult times that our enemies come in our space. And, and, and so, so he, he, he starts by pointing out, God, hear, hear my plea. Hear my voice. He was talking vocally. He was ruminating about the problem. Second, he was also having anxiety about the enemy. He says... Preserve my life from, listen to it, dread of the enemy. It, it doesn't seem that David is asking for deliverance from the enemy. Rather, David says, deliver me from the dread of the secret plots of the enemy. Deliver me from the dread of the enemy. And, and then third, David felt vulnerable to his enemy's plans. He says it like this. He says, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. So he ruminated, he was anxious, and he felt vulnerable to their evil plans, the evil plans that they were making. David there was fully authentic about the problem of his enemies. He wasn't over-spiritualizing it and just talking about how blessed he was. No, some of the things that were being said about him, some of the, 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 the things that were, be, that were being pointed toward him, he was troubled by. And from time to time, people say things to us or about us, and they trouble us. And I do get the, the fact that we, by God's grace, have the Holy Spirit, and he, and he moves in us, and sometimes he may protect our hearts from those things, but the Scriptures do show, both in the Old and New Testament, that sometimes when things are said about you and to you, it can hurt you. We need to be honest about that with God. Acknowledge what the enemies are causing you to experience. And then tell God the characteristics of your enemies, friends. You know, you can complain all you want, but, but you don't have to complain by yourself. You don't have to ruminate by yourself in a room. Make sure you tell God what the enemy is doing 
Make sure you call out, name, name what the enemy's doing before God. And yet again, God can use that to correct you, but he can also address the reality of what's happening with your enemy. So, so, so at, at, at one point, we need to tell God how our enemies are affecting us. But then at the, on the second point, we need to tell God about the characteristics of our enemies. Um, David in verse 2 does this, starts in verse 2. He releases five characteristics of his enemies into God's hands. Characteristic one, he says, God, uh, he says, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. These people are plotters. They're, they're planning. They're putting methods together against me. Uh, characteristic number two, he says, um, he says there, there are many of them, and they are hostile and ready to harm. That's when he says, the throng, deliver me, hide me from the, the throng of evildoers, right? He says, there are many, and they're hostile. The word throng there is another word. Uh, in fact, it literally means hostile pack. You can see the imagery of, say, wolves, right? Hostile pack. Or in our day, we might think of an angry mob, right? David said, hide me from this angry mob. So, uh, so he recognized that there were many of them, and they are hostile against me. Characteristic number three, um, they wet their tongues like swords, that is what he mean. What he means that that word wet there. You know, it's the word. It's kind of like it's getting the sword ready. It's sharpening the sword. And David and David says they wet their tongues. That is what they're doing. Is they're perfecting words against you when they're not around you. This means, and, and not only are they doing that, the word that the word wet is in the perfect sense. What that means, whenever something is in the perfect sense in the Bible, it means it's already completed. So that, so that they've sharpened their tongues. That is, that is they've done these things. They've already, they've already begun to perfect their words while you're not there. And they've, they've completed that. So the next time they see you, they're ready for you. And so that's the third characteristic. They wet their tongues like, sir, like swords. Characteristic number four, they aim bitter words like arrows and they shoot from ambush Suddenly and without fear, verses three and four, uh, neither fear. They, they don't have fear of you and they don't have fear of God about you. And what we recognize is these words, these arrows, these are the words that they use to hurt you, to hurt you. They are bitter words intended to find a target. And they may, we may say sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, sticks and stones may break your bones but words can wound your spirit. Words can wound your spirit, and they can land deep inside of you. And David recognized this because in, some, in verse 3 and 4, he's recognizing they're using bitter words like arrows. And then they're shooting from ambush. That is, maybe he ain't even aware of it, but they're shooting. Maybe when they're talking to somebody else, they're shooting words about him to other people. And David is injured in the process. That's what the enemies are doing. Characteristic number five, they hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares, secretly thinking, who can see them? In other words, they get together, they figure out how to trip you up and how to trap you up. How can we get this person out of our space? How can we get this person off of our job, off of our sight? How can we get this person out of our family? How can we get this person out of our lives? 
And that's what, that's what these enemies were doing. He named the characteristics before God because he knew God had the word for them. David finally says about these enemies, he says, he says, they do these things, they hold fast to their evil purpose, and they search out diligently things against you. And he says, it's because the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. In other words, they can think of a million ways to do it. They can, that we as humans, we are, God has created us brilliantly, and sometimes that brilliance is used to move into the depths of our soul to figure out how we can harm others. And that's what these enemies are doing to David. And, and, And we can figure out one trap that's more dangerous than another. That's, that's what David's experiencing here. Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe I've never experienced it to the degree. And, and the truth be told, let's be careful too. David had such enemies different from us. No, they literally were trying to kill him. Yeah, even his own son tried to kill him until his son had to die. Right? His wife spoke evil of him. His father-in-law tried to kill him, both before he was in father-in-law and after. That, 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 was, that, was just, that was just enemies in his life. The Ammonites, the Moabites, that he just did not have rest all the time. And then the, not, to spend, not to mention the enemies he no doubt created from his own unrighteousness. David had enemies. And with the enemies having all that secrecy that I just spoke of and all that vitriol and animosity and power... How is it that David moves from problem to praise? How is it that you and I can move from problem to praise while we're experiencing our enemies? How is it? How do we do it? What do we do? Uh, verse 7 doesn't hold back, gives us, the, gives us the answer right away, simply says, starts us off, but God. But God. Verse 7 says, But God, when you read verse 7, you come to find out that David was moving from the problem to praise because he believed in the promise of God. Look at verses 7 and 9. Verse verse 7 says, but God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears, they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. David says, while all of these swords and arrows are pointing at you, God is pointing his one arrow at all of them. And when he lets his arrow loose, your enemies are wounded suddenly. This is not new for God. God knows how to let one arrow loose, and it totally destroys all that has been brought against his people. He he did this. He did this with Joseph and his 12 brothers by sending the arrow of famine to Jacob in Genesis after his brothers had sold them into slavery. Joseph said, hey, even though you sold me into slavery, what you meant for bad, God meant for good. And all his brothers wound up bowing down to him because of God's arrow. He did it at the wall of Jericho by simply having the people march around the walls 
and blow their horns. They didn't have to lift one sword, but God shot his arrow at Jericho. He did it for Israel when David met Goliath. The Bible says David ran to the battle and threw one stone at Goliath, and it changed the course of the war. And God used David as his arrow to wound the nation of the Philistines. And if he did it for Joseph, and he did it for Joshua with Jericho, and he did it for David, friend, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. I know it's a little bit difficult because you're saying, I don't even have an enemy right now. Just wait. I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, now you know what to do. Yeah. Don't, don't depend on your own strength. Nope. Don't fight your enemy like enemies fight one another. You're a child of God. Your, right, your primary job is to bless him or her. Yeah. That's your primary God, your, your primary job. But God's got something to say about how people treat you. That's a reality. That's a reality. You take it to the Lord in prayer. And David knew that because he had a history of God doing it before, he banked upon the faithfulness of God. He banked upon the faithfulness of God. I'll say it one more time. He banked upon the faithfulness of God, not his own strength. And so we need to remember, friends, to bank upon the faithfulness of God. We need to remember, as it says in Exodus 14, not to fear, but to stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord that the Lord will fight for you if you remain silent. We need to remember that Deuteronomy chapter 1 says, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did in Egypt before your eyes. Friends, we need to remember, just like Isaiah says in Isaiah 54, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, the Bible says you, will condemn. We need to remember 2 Kings chapter 6. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Somebody says it like this. They say, they say you and God all by yourself, God all by himself rather, is a majority. God is a majority all by himself. He doesn't need you to, you to get sinful with people and do what they do. He wants to stand and fight for you so he can bring glory to his own name. That's why, Paul, that's why Jesus said to Peter, hey, we don't do that. That's what we don't, what, what are you swinging this sword for? Get behind me, Satan. We don't do that. We don't fight like they fight us. No, you come to God and God will take care of it, my friend. And so we need to remember Psalm 23 and 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Friends, if you have enemies, you ain't got to fight them. You don't have to cuss because they curse you. That's not the Christian's job. We're different. We got somebody who will fight on our behalf. He'll stand up for us. And we'll mess around and turn around and save the same people who've been an enemy with you. God can do that. We need to know that though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then will I be confident. I don't mean I don't mean to mis, mis, mislead you and tell you that sometimes these aren't things just easy. Like this is just easy, right? 
Sometimes it's hard to do this. I just, I just know that I've seen it, though, that many times if I just close my mouth, God will open his. If I just withhold my, my anger, God will put his on them. And you know the thing about it, interestingly enough, is, is I, I don't know about you, but as a, as a follower of Christ, I don't want to see my enemies damaged and hurt. I, I mean, sometimes I do. But then, but then when I go to God, then when I go to God, my heart is checked. Am I right about it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You want somebody to be hurt. But God said, that's not who I am. You remember what, Paul, what Jesus said, rather, to, 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 John, the, to John and his brother. He said, uh, you know, he said, well, we should call fire down from heaven. Jesus said, what spirit are you of? You don't know what spirit you're of. See, that's not our spirit. We, we, that was what we used to do. That's not who we are anymore. Today, we, we, we work to say, no, we're going to take a step back and let grace manage us. And God's going to do what he does to manage them. God, he can do it, friend. He can do it. We need to remember that we have a God who can. Isn't he able? Won't he do it? Come on now. David was standing on the precedence and the promises of an almighty God. And he knew then what we now can know today. If God be for us, who can be against us? And that's how he was able to come to the conclusion that we ought to praise. He says, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him and let all the upright in heart exult. And friends, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we also need to run the race with patience and not focus on our enemies. But let us be sure to praise God who will protect us in the midst of them. Now, I want to say one more thing about the last thing that David says. David says, we ought to praise God, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. But then he says, and let the upright in heart exult. He doesn't say let the upright in heart exalt with an A. He says, let the upright in heart exult. It's a strange word to bring into this place because the word exult, uh, it literally it means uh, let the upright in heart glory. It, it means, and it's not necessarily talking about glory in God. It's talking about glory a little bit in yourself. Uh, hear what I'm saying. God says here, he wants you to both look at him and see what he did and praise him for what he did. But now you can be thankful and brag a little bit on yourself, not because you've done it, but because you're God's child, that God is, is kind enough, able enough, loving enough to come to your aid. That's what it means to exult. I want you to just know God sees you. That, that's what I want you to see from that. And you got enemies God sees you. He's not left you without them. They're not there just antagonizing you with, 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 with whatever they have and God is, is, is blind to it. He sees you and you are his child and you need to celebrate in that. Yes. Celebrate that. God sees you. So how do we get to praise in the midst of our enemies? We make sure that we tell God about it. We acknowledge it. We make sure that we're not over spiritual. We tell them how we feel. And when it's all said and done, we celebrate the Lord 
because he will meet us at the point of our need. He'll meet our enemies at the point of their wrath. And when he does it, if we let him do it, it'll be better for us. If we let him do it, the enemy that you have may even be one that we might be able to see coming to faith in Jesus. Now, we know that that's the aim, right? We, you do know that that's the aim, right? Uh, we, we, in fact, we saw, we saw that Jesus Christ did this. In fact, Jesus Christ did, went a step further. He didn't even say, hide me from my enemies. He put himself out there where he knew that they were speaking against him. The Pharisees spoke against him. The Romans spoke against him. He, so he had religious problems and he had political problems. But then he even found himself when he was on the cross, not hiding from his enemy, but letting God do the work through him. The social sphere spoke against him. And when they did, they put a nail in his hand on one side and a nail in his hand on the other side and a nail through his feet on the other side. And he had a, a crown of thorns on the other side, not because he, on, on his head, not because he hid from his enemies, but because he let God do the work that God wanted to do about his enemies. Yeah. Friends, that's the message today. You got a God who he will meet you at the point of your need. Yeah. He'll meet your enemies at the point of their wrath. And all you got to do is sit back and glory and praise him. Yeah. Would you do that today? I want to make sure you know today that if you don't know how to do that, if you've never done that, I finally want to say to you, and if you never come to a place where you've, you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a time and place to do it. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you at Strong Tower. We want you to know that Jesus Christ, that same Jesus Christ who let his enemies take his life, he did that for you. His blood that he shed is for you. It's so that you can have that opportunity to make sure that your enemies don't cover your life, that you don't have the fear of anxiety from the enemies. It's because he desires to manage your life like that. And I want to give you that opportunity. I pray that you'll catch up with a pastor at this moment. I pray that you'll catch up. I, I'd be glad to talk with you if you've never come to a, faith, a place where you've come to faith in Jesus Christ and don't even know how to even address those enemies. I'd love to talk with you about it. Jesus Christ would want you to trust him today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for each person in this place. I thank you that you, God, have already defeated the most important foes. That, Father, on the cross, you have done what you did. And because of it, Father, we, we don't even have to worry about our, we don't have to worry about our, our enemies who are in our face, Father God, because we know that, that, that it's not the flesh and blood that we have to concern ourselves with that everything behind the scenes, you vanquished and you are a victorious conqueror, Father God, and you'll do it in our lives. And I pray that you would transform us not to be people who look back at our enemies and fight with them like they fight with us. But, oh God, give us your heart toward them and we'll let you do the work in reaching them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.